On today's episode, does Kyler Murray's new contract mean that Lamar Jackson could get more than him? How many of these actual NFL quarterbacks deserve the contracts that they have? The answer to that riddle is not very many. Random questions from fans. As always, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. Coming up next, I'm chopping it up with Pete Scott. Alright, what's good everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Monday, July 25th. Glad to have you back with us. A lot of football talk. Mostly the Kyler Murray contract extension. What it means for Lamar Jackson. Uh, how many of these quarterbacks are really worth the type of money that they're getting. Spoiler alert, it's not many. Uh, but I also reached out on my socials and I was like, you know, what topics do you want me to talk about? And I got some good feedback, and we'll sprinkle that in. And one of the talking points from one of the listeners, Nigel Brown, kind of commingles in with what I was already going to say about this Murray and Jackson connection. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. The one thing I want to do up front, though, is I want to apologize if this sounds a little bit more goofy on your guys' end. Um, for whatever reason, with my microphone, I can't find the pin that connects the inner circle to the outer circle of my microphone that actually holds it still. So I'm holding the microphone currently right now, which means my pop filter is not part of the equation. So if it sounds a little bit different, that's the reason why I just feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't disclose on the front end. With that being said, let's dive into the episode. So Kyler Murray signed a five-year, $230 million deal uh, just this past week. And uh, the very first thing I saw was, well, what does that mean for Lamar Jackson? Why does Lamar Jackson have a deal? It doesn't make any sense. Pump the brakes, we'll get to that. What I wanna start with is, I want to let you guys know who the top 12 quarterbacks who are being paid right now after this Kyler Murray deal, what we got going on. Aaron Rodgers at number one. Kyler Murray at number two. Deshaun Watson at three. Patrick Mahomes at four, as far as annual salary is concerned. Josh Allen at five. Derek Carr at six. Matt Stafford at seven. Dak Prescott at eight. Russell Wilson at 9, Jared Goff at 10, <laughs> Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins at 11, Kirk Cousins, and Carson Wentz at 12. All right, you want to know who isn't on that list of top 12, which is convenient because it's number 12, Tom Brady. Isn't that wild to you that every single year he's not really in that top 10 to 12 highest paid quarterbacks? There's a reason why he's won a third of his, a third of the time that he's been in the NFL, he's won a Super Bowl. Isn't that insane to you? Like I lose sleep over that kind of sh- man. It's absolutely wild. And you can say whatever you want to. Like Giselle makes more money than him. I don't think it really has much to do with that. Even just based off his own individual earnings, that's still a pretty good career. I think he'd be just fine. But you look at the money that Kyler Murray is making compared to anybody on that list, right? And you can say what you want to as far as like the bottom portion of that list, you know, uh, when it comes to Jared Goff. I think he's better than Jared Goff, but Jared Goff got paid because he went to a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins got paid because he was, you know, good in Washington and Minnesota. thought that Case Keenum wasn't the guy. Carson Wentz got paid because he's number two overall pick and had an MVP-ish type season. 
a few years back and he's never been the same. Deshaun Watson got paid a quarter billion dollars and is missed the entire season last year. Does it make sense that they paid him what they did? I think it does. I don't I don't agree with it, but what else are they supposed to do? And that's where we get into this construct. And that's why I keep telling you guys is like it, it doesn't matter what your quote unquote worth is. Teams are scared of losing the guy and they're willing to overpay for it. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, everybody was up in arms. Well, how are you going to pay Kyler Murray, but not pay Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson and his mom is his own agent. They've been pretty open about saying that they're willing to kind of, you know, ride this thing out. Now, I don't think it's an entirely smart move, but that's not for me to decide. I feel like what they were doing is waiting to see when this last pin dropped, which was the Kyler Murray deal. From all accounts that I know of, Baltimore wants Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson wants to be in Baltimore. It's tricky when you don't have your own agent because they usually apply the pressure and they do all the, the all the dirty work for you. But then you have to pay you know them their commission and they're like, I'm not going to do that. So he might even take less money, but if he doesn't have to pay his agent, it still winds up being the same or close to it at least. I'm of the belief that Lamar Jackson will get a deal done with Baltimore before this season starts. And I feel like with Arizona paying Kyler Murray, that's the bargaining chip. Like that's the reason he could, Lamar Jackson can look across the street, I guess across the country, you know, if you want to put it in perspective and say, look what Kyler Murray just got. I'm an MVP. Does he have that? Nope. I have a winning record every single year. And that's the thing about last year. And I'll, I'll touch on that right now, just because that was one of the talking points that one of the fans brought up was that if Lamar has another down year, that they be willing or another injury writ, uh, ridden year that they'd be willing to move off from him. And I'm looking at it as, well, Kyler's been banged up. Kyler starts off hot. They were seven and zero last year. Like they were or seven or 11 and zero or something wild like that. I think, yeah, Pittsburgh was 11 and zero the year beforehand and Arizona was seven and zero I think last year. And everybody thought that they were the best team in football. And then he kind of got banged up again and they struggled down the stretch. And he still got five twenty uh, five year two hundred and thirty. Lamar Jackson's been an MVP, and they were what I think six and two last year, six and one something like that before before Lamar got injured, and he was their entire offense. Him and Mark Andrews, they had infinity billion guys on IR before the season even starts, and all of them essentially were running backs, and they still were winning games with Lamar Jackson. That alone is why I feel he's going to get a, just a ridiculous, stupid contract. Now, again, I've been of the opinion there's only about four or five of these guys who are really worth these top-tier money contracts. But that's how the NFL works. You know, as cliche as it sounds, quarterback-driven league, and whether you like it or not, that's what it is. I don't agree with it, but that's what it is. Lamar Jackson's going to get paid. His injury last year sucked. I think that everybody understands that. But to be as good as they were, as early in the season as they were, with no running backs whatsoever, and him just having to grit wins out, that shows you exactly how valuable he is to that franchise. Now, they're hoping running game will come back stronger. They're hoping Rashad Bateman takes another step forward. 
They're hoping that Mark Andrews can have another Pro Bowl type year. The defense is still good. If they don't have to rely on Lamar to do literally everything, Baltimore should win that division. There, so to go back as far as how many how many guys are really worth these contracts? I mean, it's really just a few. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers, regardless of what you want to say about him in the postseason. He's ran to you know San Francisco. He's ran to the Rams. He's ran to uh, the Buccaneers. Like those things happen. Uh, I am not somebody who subscribes to the rule that just because your end destination does not end in a championship that it's a failed season. You know, I enjoy sports more now than I used to. I used to think that way. You know, I'd say 15-ish years ago, but my mind's changed on it. I just don't, I don't put, I don't take sports as seriously now as I used to. I just don't. And there's the other thing too of, you know, I've, I've said this probably, this is months ago. You know, I, I'm not really surprised that Green Bay loses the amount of games that they do being in an outdoor field and having it snow and being, you know, five degrees and snowing all the time. When you have a pass-first offense, that doesn't really surprise me that you guys lose that much in the postseason. But regular season, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. So it's really like Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady deserves to be in that top 10, especially in the top 10. Uh, wherever you want to place him is up to you. I don't get into top five lists and stuff like that, but he deserves to be out there as far as the most monetized, like the most monetarily compensated person in the NFL. He deserves to be up there, but he's not because he's trying to, to win he still wants to get paid but he wants to win I keep going back and forth on Josh Allen because his first two years were really not good but neither were the weapons around him his last two years like the 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 bubble season if you will he went off and that's when everybody started putting him into like MVP candidacy and everything else but he had a down year the year afterwards now to think that Josh Allen was going to go from year two to year three and then year three to year four and get even better was ridiculous because there's no way that you can stair step from two to three to three to four the way that he did in year three it's just not realistic but you know he wasn't he wasn't the same guy in year four as he was in year three and um i'm i'm very hesitant as a bills fan you could imagine why i don't want to get my heart broken again so i'm trying to temper expectations you know you got you got to take care of your heart got to take care of you baby but it's really those guys and like i'm not i don't consider lamar jackson to be an elite quarterback but I do consider him to be an elite athlete and he is the game changer of that offense and everything runs through him. Like that's how you have to be good is running things through him, play action, uh, not, not so much wildcat, but it's gotta be play action. It's gotta be a lot of run oriented stuff and then hit deep when safety start to creep up, right? Like that's kind of, that's kind of the blueprint for them to be good with him at quarterback. But I don't, I don't believe for one second that just because he had an injury last year halfway through the season that Baltimore would not be willing to commit to him long-term because, again, Kyler Murray was injured last year. Even though he played through the course of the season, he was obviously not the same version of himself. So, But their injuries were different. You know, Kyler could have played through his and did, but still slumped. Lamar couldn't, but when he was the only option he still was producing and that team had a winning record and they fell apart when he wasn't on the field. So no, I don't believe that Lamar Jackson won't get an extension because of quote unquote injury history because Kyler has the exact same thing. He just, he just does. He gets banged up too. And that's one of the reasons why I named this episode Murray's Law. Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong will. 
Murray's law is if that dude can get five years, 230, on the flip side, Lamar sure as hell should be able to get the exact same thing. The one thing I forgot to mention before we went to break, and that's my that's my bad, was I believe that Lamar Jackson will get a deal done with Baltimore before this season actually starts. There's been some speculation that if he struggles initially, you know, they'd be willing to move off of him. Uh, if he performs well, that there might be a contract extension during the season. He most likely has some kind of insurance policy if he gets injured. But are you really are you really willing to risk that versus like a guaranteed contract in the NFL? The answer to that riddle to me would be no, regardless if he's being represented by an agent or not. I do really feel that before this season starts, Lamar Jackson will have a fairly comparable contract to what Kyler Murray got. I do. In my heart of hearts, I think it's going to happen. If I'm wrong, if 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 week one drops and he doesn't have a contract, you guys call me out on it. And I will tell you that I was wrong. But I 100% feel confident in the fact that he will have a new deal done before this season even starts. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get on to the other topics. These next topics will be a little bit more like rapid fire, if you will. Um... The first one is how the Colts will dominate the AFC South, causing the Titans to be the odd man out in the playoff picture. Um, I don't necessarily think that Indianapolis will dominate the AFC South. I still think that it's between Indy and Tennessee, and that's kind of been my my back and forth. Uh, the two divisions where I'm not really certain of where to go as far as who will win the division is AFC West because it's <laughs> Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs. Good luck. Um, but the other one has been the AFC South and not because I believe in Jacksonville and not because I believe in Houston, but Tennessee, as I've been saying for years in this program, they're the Utah jazz, of the NFL. I don't care what your record says. You're not doing anything. You're not winning anything. You're just, you're going to be relevant and you're going to be good, which is fine. Like that, that's fine in my book. I'm not trying to diminish winning records. I'm not trying to diminish playoff appearances. Um, but to say the Colts will dominate, I don't know if I 100% believe that because I don't really believe in Matt Ryan. Like Matt Ryan is my age and he's always kind of had a noodle arm, but it only gets progressively worse each year. And I, as with the departure of AJ Brown from Tennessee, like that does hurt. So, but dominate seems like a, a kind of a, yeah, that seems like a, a hyperbolic overreaction. I think, it's still going to be some type of version of Indianapolis and Tennessee kind of vying for who wins that division because they still have Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry's come off a foot injury and like he still played towards the end of the season, but missed a lot of time. He's starting to kind of creep up in there in age and he's had a lot of carries under his belt. Whereas Indianapolis, yeah, they have a good old line. Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Um, I don't really think that Indianapolis has a great wide receiving core either. So to me, the, the fact that the word dominate in the AFC South, to me, doesn't really, doesn't really ring true. I still have, it's a, it's still a coin toss to me, Indy or Tennessee. It really is. And of course, this all comes down to injuries. Like, you know, if Matt Ryan does go down, well, you know, then you're kind of screwed. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in Matt Ryan anyways. But once again, that receiving core isn't great. The O-line's good. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute monster. But then the O-line in Tennessee is still pretty good. And Derrick Henry is like a 265-pound man-child freight train who can run like a 4-3. So 
this is kind of where we are. It's going to be running game versus running game. Who can stop it? And Indianapolis has, to me, the better defense. But it's it's still kind of a toss-up. The word dominate, to me, makes me feel like I, I, I can't slide that far towards the Colts side. If they win the division, I would not be surprised. But if Indianapolis, or excuse me, if, if uh, Tennessee wins the division, I wouldn't be surprised either. But regardless of who wins that division, it doesn't matter. You're not getting any further than probably the divisional round of the playoffs anyways. So to me, it's kind of a moot point, but I understand the question and I appreciate the question. I just don't feel like Indianapolis will dominate that division. I still feel like whoever wins that division is going to be a 10-win team, maybe 11 at the most. But I don't see a domination between either of those teams, in my personal opinion. Second question is, the Bengals will challenge for the one seed as Burrow takes the next step now that his team has secured him better as a pass pro. Um, I don't believe that either. Every single year we have, and I'm sorry if there was that little spike again, I'm holding it, you know, I'm I'm kind of navigating, holding the phone up to me, uh, reading these, reading these texts, and then also trying to do this. So if there was a spike in the audio, I'm sorry about that. Um, I don't believe that that Cincinnati even makes the playoffs this year. And I've been on record saying that. And the reason why I say that is because I really don't have an answer for it. Every single year we see one team go from division winner to doesn't make the playoffs, makes the Super Bowl, doesn't make the playoffs, is last in the division, and then makes the playoffs. The reason why I feel like Cincinnati is not going to win their division, that division is ridiculous just across the board. You know, they're, it's full of four good teams. The Steelers are still going to be good, and we know that. The Ravens, with Lamar coming back, running backs coming back, they're going to be good. The Bengals are still going to be good, and the Browns are still good. You know, this is another division where I'm not really sure what to think about. But to say that the Bengals will challenge for the one seed, because this is what we do with sports every single year. Oh, well, you made it this far. That means you're going to get here next year. That isn't the case. If that, was, if that was how sports works, then we wouldn't even do this. There's no reason to even play sports anymore. If you did something one year and you're supposed to stair-step and get better the next year, well then, relegation should probably take place at that point in time. I can't tell you why I don't feel like Cincinnati will make the playoffs next year, except for the simple fact of there is always one team that goes from the top and goes to the bottom. It always happens. This this felt like a flash in the pan season for the Bengals for me. It's not that they're not gifted offensively because they are. And it's not that they didn't address their offensive line because they did. But guess what? So did Kansas City. They addressed their offensive line. They went to the Super Bowl with a poor offensive line. And got waxed by Tampa, even though Patch Mahomes played one of the best games I've ever seen in my entire life. Running for his life in that Super Bowl and still lost. And he put he put multiple TD passes on Tyree Kill and I think one on Travis Kelsey that were dropped. That game, the score doesn't show it, but that game was way closer than it should have been with a really offensive line. And I don't put Joe Burrow on the same pedestal as Patrick Mahomes. The other question is the Pats will be competitive but miss the playoffs. I could see that happening. Um... Because it does seem like the road is going to go through Buffalo. And I don't like doing that because I hate getting my own hopes up. But this does seem like a year. Even last year, I said, 
I felt the New England Patriots would win the division and Buffalo would still make the playoffs. And up until I think week 14 or 15, the Pats were the like they were the the division winner. I almost had it right. Everybody thought I was batch crazy, but I was super close to getting it right. But and then and then the Pats just got absolutely shellacked by Buffalo in the playoffs. But uh, regardless, New England is one of those teams where they've always zigged when other teams have zagged. They always win ugly when they needed to. And then they win flashy when they need to. But there is no Tom Brady on this roster. There is no Randy Moss on this roster. Good luck being able to do that. But as long as they have Belichick, I feel like they could at least be, you know, relevant in the playoff sphere. But this is the AFC is so bananas right now. We talked about it earlier when we go to the AFC West. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos could all make the playoffs. Or three of them could miss it. When you go to the AFC East, the Bills, Pats, Dolphins look pretty good. I'm not a huge, I'm not huge on Tua, but that's another team that has increased their roster. They could get two, three teams in there. AFC North, Bengals, Steelers, uh, Browns, Ravens. You could easily get a couple teams in there. The AFC South, to me, I the AFC South is the only division I feel like whoever wins the division is going to get in. It's the only one. Um, if Indy makes it, if Indy wins a division, they're the only one in same thing with Tennessee. If they win a division, they're the only one in that's the only division in my mind that will only have a playoff spot based on division winner. Every other division, the AFC is completely up for grabs. You know, obviously it's injury related, but I mean, if we're just looking at roster construction currently, Buffalo should win the East, but when you go up North, who knows when you go out West, who knows? I think Kansas City is still probably the favorite, but it's not like it's not by an exponential margin by any stretch of the imagination. But the original the original comment was the Pats will be competitive but still miss the playoffs. And, you know, I thought that it was not even just last year, but two years ago, I thought they could still make the playoffs. And they were competitive with Cam Newton, and they still went what like seven and eight, and they or seven and nine, and they could have beat Buffalo with Cam Newton as well. Like they could have been eight and eight, maybe nine and seven, depending on how that game kind of turns out and pushes that season forward. But the Patriots are always going to be competitive. That much I believe in. And it's it's not that I believe that if they make the playoffs, I won't be surprised. But I do understand why they couldn't, because if Buffalo does take the the division, good luck beating out teams like the other three teams in the AFC North, the other three teams in the AFC West. Miami as well. Like it's going to be super incredibly difficult. So if 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 New England doesn't make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. But if they do, I also wouldn't be surprised. This one's kind of a push for me. Next topic is the Seattle Seahawks will finish in the bottom half of the league in both offense and defense. You're not going to see a whole lot of pushback from me. As the roster is currently constructed, I don't see how either of these two won't come to fruition. Um like DK Metcalf is still good, Lockett's still good, but man, that defense is not good. Offensive lines, booty juice, and like they basically blew this whole thing up. And not even Bobby Wagner, they just released him. Like they didn't even get anything back for Bobby Wagner. Um, this just feels like Seattle is like they're punting on this season because they understand that this quarterback draft this year was not supposed to be that good. Next year in 2023 that's where all the quote unquote 
great quarterback prospects are supposed to be. Unless they package like their, their draft picks and some other players to get the quarterback who's already proven themselves, they are going to be in the bottom half of each. Like that division, the division alone, you have to play the Rams twice, the Niners twice, and the Cardinals twice. And the Cardinals are no slouch on defense either. But when you have Drew Locke as your starting quarterback, it's not going to be good. And I think we can all kind of realize that. And I'll say this before we move on. I had mentioned that I mentioned in, in San Francisco's camp, I would not sign Debo Samuel to a huge deal because last year was the anomaly. In the previous two years, he was injury ridden and was not productive. Didn't even have a thousand yards receiving on either of those two years. I would not overpay for, I understand why San Francisco is holding their guns and why they haven't signed him yet, but it's the same thing with DK Metcalf. He wants a huge monster deal. And if I'm Seattle, I'm saying, hey, I don't have a quarterback to get you the ball. I'm not paying you yet. And if he wants to hold out, he can hold out. But I wouldn't sign to a monster deal unless I knew what I was getting at the quarterback position. And that's why I feel like he might be on the trade block. Maybe get rid of DK to also get a huge haul back because you are not winning anything in that division anyways. Much less the conference. That division, like you have no chance in hell of doing anything as long as the Rams, Niners, and Cardinals are still occupying that space. And the last one that was brought up is that Doug Peterson, Jacksonville will make them competitive. It helps having an adult in the room. I 100% agree with that. I don't think that Jacksonville is anywhere close to where they need to be as far as competing for, regardless of how garbage that division is because Houston's not very good. And again, I don't have a whole lot of, I really don't have a whole lot of confidence in Indianapolis or Tennessee to do anything as far as really pushing for a championship, right? One of those two teams is going to make the playoffs. Jacksonville to me has some nice pieces. Doug Peterson does bring somebody who has at least NFL experience as not even just as a player, but as a coach has been, he's, he's proven that he can get the best out of people. Urban Meyer was a circus show from the get-go. And when he got hired, I told y'all the moment he got hired, we started seeing people say, he's that that's a great hire. Why? Because he won in college. Let's see him do it at the pro level. So I wasn't willing to write him off right from the get-go, but I also wasn't willing to praise this man. And he ended up being one of the biggest busts as far as an NFL coach goes in history. So it just goes to show you, just because you went to college level doesn't mean you can do it at the pro level or vice versa. Or just because you did it at one team doesn't mean you can do it another because maybe your management's different. There's a lot of give and take when it comes to professional sports and how the really great franchises seem to have a pretty good stability between coach, general manager, president, however you want to do that hierarchy. That's the reason why Green Bay has been good for so long. New England's been good for so long. Pittsburgh's been good for so long. Regardless of how many championships you win, are you still relevant? Are you still good? Are you still making the playoffs? Are you still being competitive? And as much as we want to believe that there's parity around the league, there is some to a degree. But we also know that there's that four, five, six teams every single year that are going to be good because everybody's on the same page. It may not win a championship every single year. It may not come down to that. But at least you know you have a chance. All right, and with that being said, I want to thank you guys for chopping it up with P. Scott. This is Prescott Kelly. As always, stay up, stay blessed. You can reach us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. You can always leave a voicemail for the show at anchor.fm slash chopping it up with P. Scott. 
That's anchor.fm slash chopping it up with Scott. Thanks for hanging with us. As always, tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. We'll catch you guys on the next one.